Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Phil Simon. He is a recognized technology expert. He consults companies on how to optimize their use of technology and has written four books, including one we're going to talk about today called The Age of the Platform, How Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google Have Redefined Business. So thanks for joining me, Phil. John, thanks for having me. So we'll get into those uh, four big companies that we just named, but uh, let, let's kind of set the bar for, you know, what do, what do we mean by um, a platform, I guess? Let's let's start with a definition of, of what makes a business uh, or a concept a platform. Sure, John. I thought that it was really important for me to define my terms. And certainly today the word platform has become a buzzword, and it seems like to me a lot of people use the term inappropriately. So the way I defined it early in the book and sort of developed throughout the book is that a platform is just an integrated set of planks, which, of course, begs the question, what do you mean by plank? Right. And to me, a plank is just a feature. It's an offering. It's a product. It's a service. It's an app. It's something. And the platform then is just the sum of the planks. And the reason that Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google have built these, I think, great platforms is that they combine platforms with these vibrant ecosystems that are taking the platforms in all sorts of new and exciting directions. So if you put that together, at least to me, that's a platform. So Netflix, for instance, isn't a platform. You can't build anything on top of it. It's a useful service, um, but you pretty much can't develop apps based on top of it. Um, Whereas Google, 1998, was a standalone search engine, very powerful one, but just a search engine, Google became a platform. So it added Gmail and apps and Docs and YouTube and all these different planks in its platform. So hopefully that will kind of clarify this notion of, of a platform. Well, you know the, the 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 companies that you chose to focus on in this. I, I think I don't think anybody would argue that. Yeah, they're they're important platforms and and, and important uh, companies to study. But if you know, I've been doing this long enough that I remember all of them in in, in their infancy. Um, and I you know I don't know that that the founders of those companies sat around and said we're going to build a platform, did they? Well, it's a very interesting concept. Um, If you take a look at Mark Zuckerberg, and this is detailed in some level in um, the Facebook effect by David Kirkpatrick, at age 22 or 23, he used to argue with Sean Parker. And Parker would say, you know, let's basically build a company and cash out. And Zuckerberg was saying, I don't want to build a cool website. I don't want to build a big company. I want to build a platform. I want people to build on top of Facebook. So to have that sort of clairvoyance at the age of 22 or 23 when most people can barely shave, I think is astonishing. You know, Apple, I would argue, became a platform, certainly by the time 2007 rolled around and Jobs dropped computer from Apple Computer's name. It's obviously a lot cleaner, but Apple was no longer necessarily a computer company. It had become a music seller and you watch movies and mm-hmm. all sorts of other hardware. So uh, I do think that they've evolved, but that's, I think, the beauty of the platform. You don't necessarily have to have this five- or ten-year plan. And when the future arrives through your platform and by having these different planks, I think that you'll be in a better position. So if you're Amazon, for instance, this year the company is going to make $750 million by selling excess compute power to small businesses. Yeah. That's astonishing to me. There's just Jeff Bezos, I think, is one of the smartest guys on the planet, yeah. but there's just no way he thought that in 1995 when he started the company. Sure. Well, so let's go old school for a minute, <laughs> um, you know, because these are all fairly new companies. They're obviously very involved in technology in the online world that we live in. But, I mean, what are some really old examples of companies that, that maybe uh, did this pre, uh, pre-Internet? pre I mean, would you could you suggest that, 
in a way in the consumer goods space that the Procter and Gamble built a platform uh, that that was really built more along the lines of brand extensions and and buying up companies. Uh, and maybe that's a bad example, but I, I'm I'm just trying to put some perspective. No, I actually hadn't thought of that before, but now that you mention it, I, I, I do like that example. You know, whether or not it's technically a platform under my definition, I, I guess ultimately it doesn't matter. But you know, to your point, if you like, you know, Tide to, to wash your clothes, then why not have some sort of a fabric softener or, or something related? So it is about sort of embracing complementary lines of business. No one says that if you're Google and you have a cool search engine, well, then you should give ballet lessons, right? I mean, that right. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I do. I uh, think that it makes sense to launch sort of a complementary line of service. But no, in Chapter 2 of the book, John, I, I, I do say that this notion of a, of a platform isn't a new one. You could arguably go back to even earlier than Procter & Gamble and into things like railroads or into right, infrastructure, right, right, right. highway systems. So that the reason, though... Um, that the platforms today, I think, are fundamentally different, is that they are, I think, a lot more consumer-oriented. Certainly, if you look at Microsoft in the mid-1990s, you know, Microsoft's still a very powerful, very popular company, uh, but it doesn't really have that sort of hip consumer cachet. You know, people use Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google pretty much because they want to, not necessarily because they have to. And I know that Microsoft's opening up about 75 retail stores. It's just hard for me to imagine that those stores will generate the energy of an Apple store. Yeah, now let's pick on Apple for a minute. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm recording this right directly into my MacBook Pro as we speak. But, uh, you know, there will be some – because one of the elements that, that, that makes a lot of these um, – <clears throat> excuse me, these platforms work is sort of openness and, and the ability for people to build on top of it. Um, and, and while, uh, you know, Apple has certainly created the ability for people to build on top. I mean, I've got dozens of apps on my phone that built by third parties. Um, they, they, there's a, an element of control that they have uh, injected into the process that, that few others are getting away with. Oh, I would completely agree, but not necessarily everything, as you know, has to be open. So I would argue that Android is, for the most part, this sort of open system. But then if you take a look at what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon and the Fire, it's based off of a version of Android, but he carefully curated uh, something like 250,000 apps, basically saying, I don't want the whole world open. I want to help people find apps that we think are relevant. So there is this inherent tension. Nothing is absolutely open. And even with Facebook, they've turned off in, in the past APIs to different services that they found objectionable. Or even if you go back, one of the things I mentioned in the book about the sort of political nature of platforms is after Roger Ebert, I think it was six or eight months ago, tweeted something about one of the jackass uh, dying through drunk driving, but he tweeted something that was controversial. The conversation spilled over to Facebook, and Facebook suspended his Facebook fan page because they just didn't want to get involved in the imbroglio. So uh, to me, this, this book is hopefully the starting point of the discussions. It is not the definitive word because I think that platforms will continue to evolve. But it brings up a great point, though, because uh, um, building a platform, and again, I'm, I'm trying to make this as relevant for my small business audience, too, uh, who might sit there out there and listen to this and say, well, you know, we're not Amazon, we're not Facebook, you know, how can we take this platform mentality? And, and one of the things that I think the point that you're making there, though, is it doesn't necessarily mean that you just throw it wide open and say, come and get it. I mean, you still have a sort of an over, overriding set of principles, a brand, uh, if you will, that, that has uh, attributes that you want to protect, right? 
Oh, absolutely. And let's remember, John, that Facebook didn't start off with 850 million users. Right. Amazon didn't start out being the world's biggest retailer, so these companies became larger because I think that for the most part, they, they were good at what they did, don't get me wrong, but then after that, they did not become complacent. You know, certainly, Google could have stood pat as the world's biggest search engine, but it chose to diversify. And I think that any business, and I run a small business myself, there are clients I have from whom I make money, but then I will take some of that money and, and put the time into other things that have um, much more uncertain futures. So um, I, I welcome the debate about whether or not I, as a small business owner, uh, five or ten employees, can learn something from these behemoths. My answer, of course, is yes. It's just a matter of scale. Well, but 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 I wouldn't even. I mean, I, I to me, part of the mentality. I mean, I, I sometimes people talk about what I do with duct tape marketing and the fact that I, you know, one guy sitting behind a desk most of the time <laughs> built a brand that that has gained a level of some recognition, um, and I've actually I. I don't know that I am bold enough to call it a platform, <laughs> but I have intentionally pursued elements that would allow me to uh, extend not only the brand, but also extend people, how people could access it, how they could become a part of it, how they could actually help uh, grow the community in a way that benefited them. And, and, and I think there is thinking, I mean, even starting a, a, a podcast and a blog and a newsletter and, um, you know, all the various elements that you can bring to build this community, I, there is a platform element to to that way of thinking and and again that's i'm just trying to suggest that i think the smallest of businesses can take the thinking in this book and 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 start using it to guide them strategically well you're in violent agreement my friend <laughs> you don't want to be bold but i'll be bold for you you absolutely have built a platform you've built this ecosystem you have people out there expanding the duct tape brand you've written books you do speaking you do blogging i mean all of the different things to me um, you're not afraid to uh, go in different directions. So obviously when you started off your business, you know, the first thing you didn't do necessarily was uh, start a podcast. Right. But that was something that you became available. So now, you know, you're part of my ecosystem and I'll you know, be tweeting and putting it on Facebook that I did a podcast. So next time I see you at a conference, we can talk about it. So it is, I think, about um, doing the kinds of things that maybe have this sort of uncertain uh, reward, but maybe finding something that works and getting it right. I think Google's a great example with Plus. This is Google's fourth bite at the apple <laughs> right. with social networking. It finally seems to get it right. So, you know, without having listened to every one of your podcasts, I'll bet you a Coke that you don't necessarily have the same length of the same format that you did when you started. Yeah, no, that's right. Absolutely. Um, but I think the other element, too, that a lot of businesses can, can and should embrace is this idea of I'm building this one piece, but it'll also serve these three other things if we hook them together in this way. Um, and I think that, uh, again, that's a very vague example, but I think that it's that sort of mindset that you, you're never building one thing to build one thing. No, and you don't know what's going to take off. For yeah. instance, when I first started writing books, I didn't necessarily know that it would lead to a speaking practice or that it would open doors and connect me with people like you. So, you know, going back and, and you use the example of yourself, um, I'm also a self-employed person. I run a small business, and back in 2008, this is something I discussed early on in the book, I had my best year ever, but I decided that it was time to blow up my model because it just wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And for me, making all my money through one type of consulting was very dangerous, and there was no such thing for me as passive income. So obviously that's something that the book tries to address, you know, not knowing where the future is going, but possibly being better prepared when it gets there because, you know, look at a company like Yahoo, and no one knows what it's doing or where it's going. And now it's trying to play catch up. So, you know, imagine if you were kind of leading a little bit. There's one of my favorite quotes is from Wayne Gretzky. I was successful as a hockey player, not because I went to where the puck was, but to where it was going to be. Right. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so let me ask you, this will be the toughest question. I'm just giving you a warning. <laughs> toughest question probably, maybe not. Who should be on that list? So you've listed those four that, that have you know figured it out and that are doing it. But but who's out there that, that – are there any companies out there that you've identified that have the opportunity to build – the next platform or to be, you know, if, if you were, your publisher asked you to revise this book and, and add two more people, I mean, who, who should they be and whether they figured it out yet or not? Sure. Well, and it's actually not, not that hard of a question at all. You got me scared there for a minute, John. <laughs> uh, and I think it's chapter 11 of the book. I talk about emerging platforms because building a platform guarantees nothing. You know, Microsoft, obviously, Yahoo, sure. AOL, MySpace, companies that 10, 12 years ago were at sort of the acne of their dominance and now have, to different extents, fallen from grace. But, you know, certainly platforms like WordPress, LinkedIn, Twitter, Force.com, uh, Adobe, I think is doing some interesting things now that the whole flash war has been settled. So <laughs> these are companies that embrace this notion of platforms, and, and even much smaller companies about which I've never heard. You know, some people, you know, Twitter, as you know, is uh, re-tweaking uh, its um, interface to make it more uh, platform-esque or, or social yeah. media-friendly. So the interesting thing about these platforms is that they don't stand still, and I would be shocked if in five years the gang of four, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google are, are, are not all around and, and doing very well because they understand it. That's not to say that there won't be a sixth or a seventh sort of major platform out there. I do think, however, that the days of the sort of standalone product or service are coming to an end. I would not be surprised if Netflix or Hulu got acquired because there's essentially yeah. a standalone site. Yeah. I do think that there's something to be said in a very busy age for one-stop shopping. If I can do everything, this is why Google Plus is so important to Google. Yep. It's not that it's going to overtake Facebook. It's not. Google has a lot of catching up to do. But Google doesn't want people, John, as you know, to go off of the Google platform if it wants to share something. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we could do a whole podcast on that that, <laughs> that very topic uh, all by itself. Did you happen to catch the Fast Company uh, cover uh, the I think it was Fast Company that had the four different covers. I'll see you in Rage, my friend. Not only did I catch it, but I damn near fell off a treadmill. Yeah, I, I, bet, on TV. I, I bet you did. I bet <laughs> you did. Uh, that's pretty wild. You you need to you need to frank, get get one of each of those four covers because it uh, they it certainly uh, was was as near as a uh, an ad for your book as possible. Um, well, from your lips to God's ears, but I will say this. Uh, that was a fabulous article. I remember reading yeah. it. And to me, though, the, the whole notion of who will be the winner in this yeah. great Tech War 2012 is misplaced. There's sure not going to be a winner. There yeah. will be multiple winners. I can't see Facebook selling more books than Amazon. <laughs> no, no no, question. So if I'm sitting here listening to this and say, okay, I like this notion. I mean, do you uh, – I think we talked about this before I started re- recording that, that this is not a checklist, do this, do that to build a platform. But <laughs> – um, kind of book, but if if I'm listening to this and saying, you know, I want to I want to be the next you know platform, or or I want to at least start thinking this way, you know, what are some of the things that I should do? Sure. I mean, first of all, I think that it's just silly if you're not using existing platforms as planks in your own. That doesn't mean that you have to use Facebook to tell the entire world everything that you're doing. You're going on vacation, you had a baby, whatever. But at least from a business perspective, you know, put you give yourself sort of a presence on on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Google Plus. So use you know YouTube, add yourself a channel. Use existing planks as platforms in your own. It doesn't mean that you can't go out and build your own social network using a site like Ning, but if you've got 850 million people on Facebook, that's probably a good place to, to start. 
Um, but to me, this is not so much a management, uh, sorry, technology book as a management book. You have to ask yourself, John, if you're uncomfortable with that kind of uncertainty, if you're building out a right. coaching program like you've done. You know, for some people, they quite frankly can't handle that lack of control. So if you're extending in different directions, if you're letting people represent your brand and then kind of, you know, take your company flag with them, are you comfortable with that? Some people aren't. Yeah. And I think that's a fundamental decision that you have to ask yourself beyond just making sure you check all the boxes to make sure that you're on these existing social networks. You know, ask yourself if you're uncomfortable with that kind of uncertainty because not every company has to be a platform. I would argue, as I do in the book, that the companies that are doing very well are these ones that have these ecosystems that take their platforms in all these different directions. But I contrast uh, late in the book eBay versus Amazon. There's nothing wrong with eBay as a company, but if you would put $1,000 in the stock market, and eBay instead of Amazon right now, you're kicking yourself, mm-hmm. right? So if you take a look at the divergence of those two companies, Facebook, I'm sorry, um, eBay kind of branded itself as this auction company, and there's nothing wrong with auction. They use eBay all the time, but Amazon was the one that sort of took its platform in different directions. Again, there's nothing wrong with eBay, but to me, if you're not comfortable with that level of uncertainty, you may not want to try to build your own platform. I'm not saying in the book that if you sell beepers, building a platform will help you sell more beepers because no one buys them anymore. So a platform is not going to be clear. And there are challenges. I mentioned Roger Ebert before. Some people can't handle uh, the controversy as well. Yeah. So... We are sitting here on the, uh, I'm talking to Phil Simon, uh, author of The Age of the Platform, and uh, we are sitting here on the, the doorstep of 2012. So, you know, what is the, what is, I always like to ask people this, and I like to write about trends, you know, what do you see as, as the big thing that's going to happen in 2012 uh, with relation to technology? Well, it's certainly not slowing down. It's not going to stop. I I think the consumer ultimately is going to win. And you see Google Plus uh, adding different um, features, if you like, to just the Google Plus plank. Um, Ultimately, I think you're going to see convergence. So if Facebook, um, in response to Google with the Hangouts Plus, added integration with video Skype, and they looked at things and they added the timeline. So these things will continue to to change and to evolve, and ultimately I think that the consumer wins. You know, a company like Netflix is in, I think, a lot of trouble because now you have, aside from Hastings uh, tweaking the pricing and kind of irritating some of his uh, customers, now you have Apple with iCloud, you have Amazon with the Fire, you have Google now putting movies on YouTube. You know, I think that in a way we'll see more consolidation. Um, I'm not too high on companies that just do kind of the one thing. I think they may kind of fold into other ones, but I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball. And if I could predict the future, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write books. I would pick stocks. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about, I'm looking actually at a business proposal that uh, I'm going to join with a couple partners and we're going to start a movie rental store. What do you think about that? <laughs> You wouldn't have gotten to this place in life, my friend, if you uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But no, I'm, I'm very curious. I think um, you know, in, in the book, I talk about you know, 2012 and beyond. And I think that these platforms will continue to collide. You know, they're kind of, obviously the term frenemies or cooperation comes yeah. to mind. They're kind of like kids in a sandbox. They they get along pretty well, but all of a sudden they start throwing sand at each other, or it's like the game Risk. You know, they have this temporary alliance. Yeah, all right. of a sudden someone says, wait a minute, I can blow through South America here and claim your cards and take over the continent. So I think it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that there'll be one winner. But ultimately, they, I think the consumer is really going to benefit because the stuff we can do now is absolutely amazing. Most of it is free or, or nearly free. So some of it, I think, hinges on how well Facebook does when it goes public because the, the one challenge I think Facebook has right now, aside from 
and privacy gaps is that it doesn't have access to the same capital of the rest of the gang of four. Once it goes public and has a valuation of about $100 billion, I think that it will be able to make some of those acquisitions and growth platforms in ways that I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that that's, that that's probably what will happen is we're going to see a, a, a real frenzy of of purchases. And, and so any way that they want to extend the platform, say, going you know to to really jumping in the mobile space or, or something on on facebook's uh, standpoint you know they'll just go buy motorola right oh wait it's too late for that <laughs> well you know hopefully we won't be um disturbed by some of these uh, silly patent wars i mean you know we i understand that the need for for some sort of um you know legislation but if some of these patent trolls out there i think are really standing in the way of some innovation but the way I look at it, it's going to happen one way or the other. And, you know, obviously mobility is a huge trend. I've read something like 300 million people access um, Facebook every day just through a mobile device. So that, that certainly isn't changing. In fact, that's why Google is doing some of the things it's doing. Uh, people aren't using mobile devices for traditional index searches. So if you look at the evolution of these companies, the last thing they're doing, John, as you know, is standing still. So your, your yep. guess is as good as mine. Yep, yep. Well, Phil, thanks for joining me. Uh, check out the age of the platform, how Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google have redefined a business. Actually, we didn't touch on it much, but uh, I really enjoyed the first couple chapters, uh, sort of the, 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 the romp down memory lane of the kind of the history of, you know, of, of the internet and how we got to where we are is, is uh, we didn't talk about today, but uh, I enjoyed that read as much as anything. Oh, thanks a lot, John. Well, hopefully we will, as you said, bump into each other out there on the road. I'm sure we will, but uh, thanks for joining me, Phil. Thank you, John. All right, take care.